hear this story of faith from the 14th chapter of Exodus, beginning with verse 19. The angel of God, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For a little over a year now, my family has lived not too far from the church at the top of a hill. We quickly learned that a rainstorm in this area has the power to make our trash and recycling bins disappear. When the rain would come, the trash and recycling cans would inevitably travel down the hill to the great river of North New Braunfels Avenue, where they would float away, never to be seen again. So not wanting to invest a lot of money in trash cans, my husband Keith got a big Sharpie marker, and he put our name on the bins so that we could round them up down by the McNay Art Museum. This quickly became too much of a hassle. He then built a platform a platform with a fence or a corral for the canisters, but I like to call it a throne. You should see it, where my trash and recycling cans sit pristinely enthroned in our alley, safe from any storm, but also safe from any adventure. The Bible knows, the Bible knows that you and I know the power of water. 
when the water is driven back in Exodus, allowing the Israelites to escape, then it suddenly returns, engulfing and destroying the Egyptian army. We can see it. We understand that power that is at work. But there are a couple of subtle characteristics of water in the Bible, illusions that are constantly true throughout Scripture, so that anytime we hear of water in the Scriptures, our minds can and our minds should jump to these ideas. The first is danger. The ancient Hebrew mind saw bodies of water as both mysterious and dangerous. I've been taught that uh, the disciples fished in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, but they stayed really close to the shore when they fished. That's what first century fishermen would do, work their way around the coastline, not willingly and not very often crossing the sea because the deep water held both the unknown and it held the threat as well. And the second thing about water in Scripture is that it is the key ingredient of creation. Day one and day three of creation in Genesis 1 both refer to water. And in day three, God says, let the waters be gathered in one place so that dry land will appear. Water for the faithful is a sign of new creation, especially, it's a sign of new creation, especially when the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind is present. And so in the scripture passage that I read just a few minutes ago in verse 21 of Exodus 14, these words, the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. You see, the smaller story that we consider today is that the Israelites are saved. But the larger story is that they are being created new again. Pete ends, the theologian in our video, teaches that redemption redemption is a replay of God's act of salvation, of God's act of creation. Redemption is always a replay of God's act of creation, and that works here in Exodus, and I think it works throughout the Bible, and it works in your life and mine as well. Redemption doesn't just mean rescued, saved, redeemed doesn't only mean that the victim is relieved, but it means we are new, we are recreated. And I learned this week that that for the Hebrew mind, the act of creation is reserved for God alone. Only God can serve as the subject of the Hebrew verb create. The, the creatures are special and extraordinary and new. Humans, you and I can form and we can make, but we cannot create. Theologian Matt Schlimm says that he has a t-shirt that says, all I want to do is drink coffee, create stuff, and sleep. And to wear that shirt is blasphemous, and it's not the caffeine intake or the sloth that offends. It's that God alone creates, and we are the creation, and we are the recreated as well. 
one image that can be found repeatedly in the Exodus story up to this point, but especially in chapter 14, seven times in chapter 14 is this image of a hand, as in the hand of God or Moses's hand over the water or the hand of Egypt or God's hand against Egypt. The hand is a depiction of a demonstration of power. And Exodus is the story of a clash of powers and the triumph of God's power to save and to recreate. And so then the question becomes, do I trust this power? Do I allow what is to come to come and to pass? Do I trust God's power in the midst of any threat? I wondered this week, about the Israelites following Moses, following the pillar of cloud, did the people know? Did the people who were following know that the path that they walked would bring them to an uncrossable body of water, that there would be no bridge, that there would be no boat, just water, so that there's danger in front of them and danger behind them with Pharaoh's army and chariots? Did they know that that was the plan to stand between two threats? I don't think they knew. I think if they had known, there's a good chance they would have stayed in Egypt. I would. There's an early Jewish interpretation, a midrash, of the crossing of the Red Sea that says, when the people got to the water, it didn't automatically part. And so they stood They stood there gathered on the banks of the sea and they wept. They cried out with despair, danger in front of them and danger behind them. But there was one man, a man named Nashon. In the scripture, Nashon is the brother-in-law of Aaron. And Nashon enters the water and he keeps walking. He keeps walking until he's up to his nose in the water. And at that point, the sea parted. I want to be that guy. That is courage. That is trust. Nishan is depicted in the Sistine Chapel by Michelangelo. And you know what? He shows up in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Up to his nose in water. That, that is trusting the power of the holy breath to get to you no matter what. No matter what the threat. Theologian Dallas Willard famously taught that God's world is a perfectly safe place to be. It's perfectly safe to be who you are and where you are, he said, because there is no place where you or I can be separated from the love of God. Willard went on to say, we may well be hurt in this life, but we will not be harmed. You see, there is a difference between hurt and harm. Hurt is pain, and we experience pain. We definitely do. But no harm shall come to you or to me. Even death cannot harm us. Death cannot hold us in bondage as followers of the one who laid down his life and picked it up again. We believe this to be true which means we trust. We trust. 
whatever the storm or body of water that lies in front of us, it will come to pass. And we have the freedom. We have both the freedom and the potential strength to step in, to step in up to our noses and to witness to the power of God. I watched this week a very touching video of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs teaching on the topic of living faithfully in insecure times. He told a story about his own father coping with five difficult surgeries when he was in his 80s. Rabbi Sachs said that his father did not have much of a formal Jewish education, but he had faith. And so during those years of surgery after surgery after surgery, he would overhear his father praying a line from the Psalms. Into your hand, I entrust my spirit. If my place is in heaven with you, I am ready. If my place is here, I am ready. You know, Lord, I don't. I trust you. You know, I have come to experience and to understand that much damage has been done to the church and to the Christian faith because we have misunderstood what makes faith, faith. This is not just in our lifetime or in the last 10 or 20 years, but this is since the Enlightenment. We have misunderstood faith. We teach, we live like faith and belief are solely about what we think. And we have weak, underdeveloped, flabby trust muscles. We have even placed people in leadership of the church who know nothing of trust or how to practice it. With integrity, doing what we say we are going to do. And these so-called Christian leaders, they lack They lack peace in their lives, and they sow discord in the lives of other people. You know, I've lived, I've had to practice ministry in the wake of some of this discord. The truth of the matter is that our thoughts change, our thinking changes, hopefully, as we grow to a greater understanding of God's ways. And so the task that is in front of us, the task that is always in front of us is to trust, to practice trust. That is faith, to let go of our tight grasp of control. As Pete Enns said, trusting others allows us to trust God more and trusting God allows us to trust other people more. This is how we grow in the faith and this is how we grow the body of Christ by stepping in. May you and I both be the kind of people who trust the breath of God no matter what we encounter. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are creator of the universe, and you called all of your creation good. As your recreated people, Lord, we trust you, and we yearn to trust you more. Allow us to trust one another, to let go of our grip on control, 
that we may grow in truth and in love. We pray this in the name of the one who laid down his life and picked it up again, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.